be the first episode of my podcast. Welcome in, people. Last night, the Red Sox knocked off the Yankees in a sort of a close game up until, you know, Rafael Devers broke it open with the second home run being a grand slam. It went off Garrett Cole as well. And uh, Rafael Devers is a special player. He's really showing what he can do with the bat. He's been actually pretty decent defensively this year. And a huge win last night. Keep in first place because, I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays do not know how to lose a baseball game. Kind of crazy, I know. But, yeah, the Red Sox are still in first place somehow. Uh, despite, you know, J.D. Martinez going 0 for 4 last night. Christian Vasquez 0 for 3. I mean, he kind of forgot how to hit. Bobby Dalbeck 0 for 4. You know, he he's kind of trash. Uh, Verdugo and Renfro each had a hit, but that's about it. Bogarts only had one. It was really just Rafael Devers' night at Fenway Park. Um... I mean, you get a walk from Kike, a walk from Duran, you know, with a single from Bogey. Or, I don't even know. I don't even know how the sequence went. You get the bases loaded up for Rafi, smashes one, you know. And he's not pulling these home runs. He's showing all the power that he has with five of the six RBIs, one coming from Xander Bogarts on that sacrifice fly. Uh, and, I mean... Eduardo Rodriguez was hurt. I don't think it's anything serious. I think it's at a strain or tightness or I don't know. One of those bullshit pitcher injuries, which could be out for a long time, but maybe he'll actually come back better. But Phillips Valdez came into the game and he was dealing. Uh, Three innings, one hit with seven strikeouts. That's kind of crazy. With one walk, Rios came in, two no-hit innings with two walks. Whitlock, one hit, one inning. Hernandez came in with one inning, a walk, two Ks, no hits. And then Workman gave up two hits, a run, in one inning to close it out. A big win for the Red Sox. Uh, you know it's just good all around. Jared Duran going two for three. I mean, he had a double. That just shows this kid is special. You know, he's got talent. He's a good outfielder. Heard the Jacoby Ellsbury 2.0 comparisons. And when you have an offense like this, when J.D. Martinez, who's for some reason batting fifth, is not producing, you know, out of that spot and Xander and the three hole is going one for three and you're winning six to two, you got to like what you're seeing, especially with Phils Valdez absolutely dealing. Do I think he's going to be do that all the time? Absolutely not. Uh, but you get to save an arm and Matt Barnes at the bullpen, you know, keep him up and going. Uh, in a game against the Yankees again tonight, it'll be Evaldi versus Tyone. Uh, you still got Arroyo, Santana, Sawamura, Marwin Gonzalez on the IL. Eduardo Rodriguez is day-to-day, as I'm seeing right here, so that's good. I mean, you're playing the Yankees without Hicks, Judge, and Urshela, and Voight, so, I mean, you got to sweep the series after losing the last one. It's tough. And Gary Sanchez, I don't think he'll be playing tonight. He wasn't playing last night. Cole was dealing. But Tanner Houck, oh my, on Thursday, he was – he didn't get the win, but oh, wow, he was – that slider just reminds me of a right-handed Chris Sale. That's just what I'm seeing. And the Red Sox are special right now in, f- in first place still. As I said, do they think they can hold up first place? It's definitely going to be – 
tough. Again, only one game up on the Rays. You know, the Guardians had a chance to win a game against the Rays uh, Thursday. They had the lead, and they blew it. They had a 4-2 lead in the eighth inning, I believe. Lost in 10. Uh, they gave up two runs in the top of the 10th, or the 9th. Then another one in the 10th didn't get one in the bottom of the 10th. And then yesterday, they lost, I think, a close one. No, it was like a one-run game. Oh, no, the Rays scored six in the top of the ninth. Wow, terrible bullpen. It was a blown save, too. My God, the Guardians are terrible. That is, that is just, oh, no way. <laughs> oh, I need some help from Cleveland. Hopefully they can steal one today. Are they still in that series? They are. Hope they can steal one today, but probably not. I mean, the guy on for the Pitching it today for Cleveland as a 7-5-3 ERA, so I highly doubt they're going to win that game. So a must-win tonight, and then you play the Yankees again tomorrow, and the Rays play the Guardians again tomorrow with McKenzie on the mound, so hopefully he can turn around. He's probably the best pitcher besides Bieber. Then you got a Blue Jays series, three-game set, four-game set, and then you play the Rays on July 30th. In a massive, massive three-game series, that'll be telling if the Red Sox can stay in first place because I don't think the Rays can win every single game realistically. Even though it does seem like they do, I don't think they actually are going to win every single game, believe it or not. And that poses the question, do the Red Sox need help? And of course they do. Uh, They need help with the deadline. That is a given here. That's what they need. And what are they going to do with the deadline? I think there's three positions that you got to look into here. The obvious one is first base. Bobby Delbeck is not producing. I mean, you can, no matter how you look at it, his stats are just not what you need. He's striking out too much. He's not a productive hitter on uh, at the plate. I mean, he's like the only starter that's below replacement level, which if you don't like war, which I'm personally not too much of a war guy, but that's just the stat that pops off the page for me. I could pull up all these Delbeck numbers. You know, he has massive power, but he struck out 104 times in 278 plate appearances with 12 walks, 12 walks and 104 strikeouts. There is no way this guy can be your first baseman going into the playoffs. Now, I know your whole offense produces, but you got to get something out of him. Those strikeout numbers are too much. Out of a nine-hole hitter, you need the guy to get productive outs, and he's just not getting productive outs. They're strikeouts. He's batting 218 with a 260 OBP, slugging at only 400. His OPS is 656. His OPS plus is 74. I, I just don't know. Bobby has got to be better in all facets of the game. He's been pretty good on the defensive end. I'll give him that. But he strikes out 37.4% of the time and walks just 4.3% of the time. Last year... He struck out 42.4% of the time, walked 10.9% of the time. So it's about even there, you know. But he also homered 8.7% of the time. Had a way higher isolated power. And he was hitting, you know, his hard hit percentage is down this year. His line drive is about the same. His ground ball rate's up a little bit. But it's not much difference besides the strikeout numbers. So the strikeouts got worse this year. I don't know what that is. Is it just them adjusting him in the majors? I mean, I guess you see it a lot with guys getting called up. They have a good start, then they cool off. Uh, so that's definitely maybe the issue. But 
I just don't know if you can go into the playoffs with Bobby there. And the two options I'm seeing most often now, I haven't heard any news about the Red Sox, any rumors, any players they're targeting besides that they are buyers. And for first baseman, I see Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo with the Cubs, drafted by the Red Sox originally, then I think traded to the Padres, then to the Cubs. And then you got Jesus Aguilar, the first baseman for the Miami Marlins. As we know, they love to just sell players, give them away, get them out of there, you know, fire sale, I guess. Rizzo is the guy I like here. A lefty, you need another lefty bat in that lineup. Definitely need another lefty bat. That'll be what? You got Verdugo. Am I blanking here? I, think it, I see Verdugo. That's it. There's got to be another one. Oh, Devers, of course. Yeah, so Verdugo, Devers. Then you get you know Rizzo at first. That's why I feel like he fits the mold the best. He's also not going to cost as much. I think the Cubs would just love to just trade him away, get what they can get. You know, not too much because he's not going to cost that much. You know, he's what thirty three. Uh, he might be thirty one. I don't know. He's a good defender. He's a great defender. He's a lefty first baseman, a Gold Glover, and he has his offensive production has been down, but. I mean, you're going to take it over Bobby Dalbeck. Certainly an upgrade. There's, I mean, anyone I feel like is an upgrade over Bobby Dalbeck. And Rizzo would fit in well here, 100%. And you need a lefty, as I said. And Jesus Aguilar for the Marlins. Might cost a tad bit more. Uh, I'm not sure what his stats are looking like this year. I haven't done, looked into him too much. But I did hit a walk-off against the Dodgers. So that's definitely good. Something you want to see. I just think... He is, I don't think he's as good as a defensive player. He's batting 263 with 17 home runs. He has 68 strikeouts with 30 walks. That's a lot better. Uh, he's a 324 on base percentage, slugging 468. That's pretty decent. Um, he's an above average hitter. So that's definitely good. Let's take a look at Anthony Rizzo's stats. Oops. I think he fits. I think the Cubs are looking to sell very, very much. He only has a .8 war, but Rizzo has 56 strikeouts with 34 walks. Again, he's got a great eye. He's batting .241 with a .342 OBP, slugging .419 with a .761 OPS, .108 OPS+. Plus. I'm just on baseball reference here. So that's obviously better than Bobby. Not too much, but I'd love to think you would get a change. Yeah, 15.8% strikeout rate with a 9.6% walk rate. That's definitely an upgrade there. And you want to say, well, don't you want hits? I mean, walks, and to me, aren't as important as a lot of other people feel they are. But I'd rather have a guy who's walking and striking out at a lower rate than a guy who's striking out at a higher rate and walking at a lower rate when the hitting would be even, I guess. I mean, Dalbeck's got power. I'm not giving him up for Rizzo. Because if you can correct that strikeout, that swing and miss stuff, I definitely think he's going to be a productive player for you. You know, maybe Michael Chavis for Anthony Rizzo. That's probably a little too low, but I know the Rizzo price is low. And Anthony Rizzo is 31. Yeah, 31. I mean, I'd definitely take him. If you ask me, yeah, I'm taking Anthony Rizzo over Jesus Aguilar just because the lefty versatility. You need more lefties in this lineup. And I also have two more targets at relief pitcher, both Rangers actually. Ian Kennedy for the Texas Rangers struggled a little bit last year, but he's really come into his own on a bad ball club this year, which is hard to tell. He is 36, but uh, he used to be a starter back in 2011, won 21 games. Cy Young fourth. This year he has a... 
259 ERA, 31 games. He has started zero games, so he is full-time bullpen. He's allowed just nine earned runs. Uh, his ERA plus is 173. He has a 3.8 FIP, which and a 1.0 whip, which could be worse. So uh, I think you'd like to see better from there. Uh, he's got 26 strikeout rate, 5.7 walk rate, 4.1% home run rate. Uh, so I think you definitely like what you're getting there. Uh, here are the per nines. 1.4 home runs per nine, 7.8 hits per nine, which is definitely not that good. But I guess it I guess it could be worse, yeah. No, it definitely could be worse. For a guy who's pitching one inning. So that's solid. And then another guy coming from them who's probably going to cost a little bit more is going to be Kyle Gibson. He's a starting pitcher. He is 33 years old. Oh, 33, yes. He did make the All-Star game this year. He's 6-2, which wins are obviously not the most telling stat with that bad of a ball club. He has a 2.86 ERA, which is very good. A 1.55 ERA plus, a 1.131 WHIP, a 3.61 FIP, 7.4 hits per nine. Very good eliminating the home runs with a 0.8 home runs per nine. His walks per nine is just a 2.8, but I mean that's that's pretty good. Uh, strikeouts per nine is 7.6, so I mean he's well deserved to that All Star spot. And, I mean, everything's down from last year. He didn't do too good last year. I mean, his FIP was a 5-9, a 5-3. His whip was a 1-5. He's just a lot better than – he's just a lot, a lot better. And those are the three targets I'm looking at. I mean, I don't see them going for guys like – I don't know. Who are the guys in the market? Joey Gallo or – obviously, Trevor Story is not one. But people think, seem to think the Red Sox might go after Joey Gallo or – um, Eduardo Escobar. I just don't see that happening. Even though they can play, I don't think Gallo is going to play first base for this team. I just don't see it happening. Even though I know he can play the position, they're not going to play him at first base. They're not going to need an outfielder. Maybe they want an outfielder. You know, Maybe they want another outfielder, but they just called up Duran, so I personally doubt it. Uh, Eduardo Escobar can play pretty much every single position, so he's flexible. So maybe they want that, but he's going to cost a lot more. I know he's a high... Prospect. There's other pitchers out there for sure, but I know Gibson, Kennedy are higher trade targets, but I think Rizzo to the Red Sox is a great fit. I saw they were linked to him, so I think maybe Heim Bloom might want to get a little Rizzo action on this team. You know, I, I trust Heim Bloom. I mean, he's turned this ball club around. Him and Alex Cora, AC 13, um, on his way to that Red Sox win record with uh, the 60th win of the season last night. Just phenomenal. Phenomenal what Alex Cora is as a manager. He's just insane, you know? But the Bruins are making a little news lately. Contrast to popular belief, the Bruins actually were active. You know, they never seemed to be active in the offseason. But, of course, everyone knows they re-signed Taylor Hall, the star, the former Hart Trophy winner to a four-year, $24 million deal. I believe it's six million an annual average value. Um, and then they drafted last night Fa Fabian Lysel, twenty-first <laughs> overall. I heard he is a steal. Actually, I don't know too much about the NHL draft. I don't know anyone who does. 
Um, but I heard he's a steal. Um, from Sweden, he's 18, I think. Uh, and this is what I see from Bruins Network on Twitter. It said, Fabian Lysel is a high-skill winger boasting a lethal right shot toolkit. Lysel played for Luella SHL, where he posted two goals, one assist, three points, and 26 games played. He posted three goals, six assists, nine points, and seven games played for Sweden's U18 squad. Lysel is an incredible talent and should have been a top 12 prospect. Nailed it. TBH. Hashtag NHL Bruins. So this pick's kind of exciting me a little bit. The Bruins system is horrendous. The Bruins have a really bad system. You know, they got Beecher, you know, they got Studnika, you know, Vakanakin kind of sucks, Zabroil sucks, Seneshin, I don't know. These guys aren't good. You know, they just got Freddie up to the NHL. This is what you need. You need a skill player. And Sweeney hasn't been a good drafter. You know, we did get McAvoy. Pasta was really not on him, to be honest. Like, he didn't really find Pasta. But I guess to give him credit for the pick, we have actually got, you know, DeBrusque, I guess, was a good pick. Do we trade DeBrusque? But we got a guy in the farm uh, the farm system. I don't know what they call it. You know, the AHL, the system. Do they just call it in the system? I guess that's what they call it. So you got a good skill guy in the system. You know? And back to that Jake DeBrusque. Do we trade Jake DeBrusque is the question I want to ask. Because Jake DeBrusque just hasn't performed. And if you look at the stats, he was good. He was good. I think he scored like 27 goals in 2019. And he's fallen off a little bit. You know, you saw a little, you see flashes of what he can do. He just hasn't been able to put it together. Yeah, rookie season 2017 to 2018, 16 goals, 27 assists. Then the next season, 27 goals, 15 assists. And then you get, that was 2018. Then you get to 2019, 2020, you know, everyone's a little bit of a down year. 19 goals, 16 assists. And then this year, in 41 games, five goals, nine assists, sorry, 14 points. He was a plus one, which he was a minus one the year before that. And then the year he put up 42 points was a plus two, but his rookie year is a plus 13. But he was playing with David Krejci, and he still couldn't score. And then I was like, all right, well, you know, they tried shuffling him around. It just wasn't good. It, I have faith in this kid that he can turn it around because he's just 25 years old coming up into the season, right? He's going to be 25, yeah, October 17th. He will be 25 in the upcoming season. He's shown flashes of what he can do. If he can put it together, I mean, that's exactly what you need. You need him to be able to put it together. He's a left winger, right? So he puts it together. You got him in the left wing. You got Pasta on the right wing. For the future, this is. And then, you know, you can throw coil at center, whatever you want to do there. But I'm talking about when right now you need him to put it together. Because your team's old. You need to win one more title before these guys are all gone. I mean, you got Bergeron, Krejci. I don't even know Krejci's going to resign. He hasn't even made up his mind yet. And Bergeron and Marshawn are old. I mean, it's just the whole team's aging, the core. You need to go all in. And I've seen Sweeney might have been able to do, trying to do that. They wanted to do the same trade that the Vancouver Canucks did. But what stood out was Oliver ekman Larson, Phoenix captain, defenseman. His contract was too big for the Bruins to want to bite on. And they didn't have enough value to match the ninth pick. Which was really just up there. They couldn't do that. And I honestly wouldn't have wanted to done that trade. Because that trade kind of sucks for Vancouver. Vancouver way overpaid. 
Um, and the, what I've also seen is that the Bruins and Isles are the two teams that are fighting for Suter. I can't think of his first name off the top of my head. I don't know too much about hockey, but he just got bought up by Minnesota. He's a great point man defenseman. You need another defenseman after um, after uh, Miller retired uh, to go maybe with Carlo or with Clifton. I mean, we'll see what those defensive pairings are going to be because I, I still think the first line is going to be McAvoy and Grizzlick. I mean, you need defensemen badly at this point. Because I think you got, what, when I said McAvoy, Grizzly, Carlo, Clifton. Am I missing someone? Honestly, can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I'm probably blanking of someone completely obvious. Probably going to have to look this up now. But, yeah, the Bruins do need to make a splash in this offseason. They have, like, barely enough cap space to sign anyone. I wanted Garland. So I don't really know what you can do. I'm not a big hockey offseason guy. Like, I watch the games. I know the Bruins. I just – I'm not as in on the league as everyone else seems to be. So, hockey fans out there, you know, let me know who the Bruins should target because I I have no clue at this point. Like I said, I'm not a hockey guy. But I am going to look up the Bruins' lines because I can't seem to remember who these other defensemen are. Riley, there he was. Mike Riley, you got to re-sign him. You have more who actually might be healthy this year, which would be great. Zabroil sucks. Vaknakin, as I said earlier, was not good. Uh, they selected Jeremy Lazone, which I don't know why they would do that. I was like, please don't take Connor Clifton. And they didn't. I think it was great that they didn't take him because I like uh, Connor Clifton. I really do like Connor Clifton. And, you know, maybe some people out there don't, but I think he's a great player. Gonna play some good defense for this team. You know, we actually played pretty well in the playoffs last year until the team absolutely fell apart. I think McAvoy and Marshawn weren't only two actual consistently great players in the playoffs, which is obviously why we fell to the Islanders in six games, which I felt like was a very winnable series. But hey, you know, the Bruins underperform. That's just what they do. This year's gonna be big. This year is gonna be big, and you need to sign someone. And I think Suter is is just what the team needs. I think defenseman and you need a defenseman and a winger. Now I don't know if you have enough to do that. Uh, I'm looking at these top rem- remaining unrestricted free agents right here. Granlund from Nashville, Howla from the Panthers, Hoffman from the Panthers, Kovalchuk from the Caps. Soderberg from Arizona. Uh, so, hey, I don't know when the NHL published this. Oh, that was so long ago. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I can look at this list right here. Yeah, they got to not going to sign him. Landis Cog, it seems like he's going to uh, the Islanders. I don't know if that's actually true. Hyman was signed by Edmonton. Those were the guys I wanted. Maybe you get Blake Coleman now. I don't know if he's been signed. I think Blake Coleman's probably your guy. And Ryan Suter got bought out. Don't think he's going to cost as much as he was. But you still got some guys to sign. You got to sign Riley and Carlo, uh, Riley and uh, Rask and Krejci. 
Rask's going to go on long-term IR, so you can just throw that out there. Probably give him like two, three, four million dollars max because he's injured, of course. So the Bruins definitely have moves to make, and I trust Don Sweeney. He had a great deadline. You know, everyone's giving him this shit, but I am not. I believe in him. I got to believe in him. You know, he had a phenomenal deadline. I mean, you got Mike Riley for packing peanuts. If we can please resign him, like, please. Please resign Mike Riley. And you got Taylor Hall for jack shit. And look at what he did. He showed potential. Didn't really show up in the playoffs, but again, again, nobody did. Nobody showed up in the playoffs. So that's out there. So I'm definitely looking forward to the rest of this, how this is going to unfold. I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. No, I love hockey. You know, I love all these sports, but I mean, there's not going to be nothing better than hockey out there. Hockey is phenomenal. Hopefully the Bruins don't underperform. And speaking of underperforming, I've decided I'm going to make my Patriots schedule predictions right now before OTAs. I think those already happened, actually. Before, you know, mini camps, anything, I'm making it right now. I'm setting this off, off the record. These are my predictions. Probably going to get clowned. These are probably going to be absolutely wrong. But my predictions are coming in right now. I'm going to set you with the floor. I'm going to set you with the ceiling. And then my prediction is going to come in as we land down the picks. All right. So the schedule floor I see for the Patriots, I see the Patriots lowest is going to be eight and nine. I don't see them going any lower than eight and nine. It just doesn't seem possible. If Cam Newton completely falls off, like if he's even worse than he was last year, then probably the schedule is like, people say they have a really easy schedule, which I'm not going to deny. These games seem to be easy. There's definitely some harder games in there because you play some terrible teams and you play some great teams. So there's a little mix uh, but I see floor eight, nine, just because the schedule ceiling, I could see 13 and four. Honestly, I could see 13 and four. Do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. But I could see it happening just based off this, these few picks I have that could go either way. That's how I see the eight, and nine going. So I'm going to read down this list and we're going to see, you're going to see my predictions. So let's get into week one. Actually, first I want to talk about what the Patriots have going for them. They have Cam Newton, who I'm confident in. I put my full confidence right now. I am a Cam Newton believer. He actually has a full offseason to learn this whole system. No COVID. I didn't like that excuse, but I mean, I just got to throw it out there. I just got to throw it out there. I just got to throw that out there. No excuses for Cam Newton, but that one's going to have to come in there. Just because I'm a Cam believer now. I'm hopping on the train. Book it right now. I am a Cam believer. I will never turn on him until he starts playing trash. But so Cam, you know, we've already talked about Cam's going to be healthy. Maybe Matt Jones takes over. But uh, I don't really, I'm not really in the impression that everyone else is that he's going to come in after like week four. Like, no, if we're winning games, why would you put Mac Jones in? Which the schedule actually might have a case for Mac Jones to actually come in the game. I mean, start, like come take over, but throw that out the window. Mac Jones is probably not going to be a starting quarterback, which I have no complaints with. Honestly, if he beats him out in camp, sure. But if, I wouldn't rush him in in the regular season. All right, so we went over the quarterback position. Now I want to go over the rest of this offense. So you brought in Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Trent Brown. Isaiah Wynn's going to be healthy. And then Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. I mean, those are phenomenal players. Then you got Damian Harris, who's due to break out. You re-signed James White. You still have Sony Michelle, who I think might get cut, honestly. And you still have the great offensive line. You re-signed Andrews. You have Mason. You lost Dooney, which is definitely going to be tough. But you have on when you taken over, and then win. 
Of course, I talked about uh, Trent Brown. And then you got the weapons. I mean, Nikhil Harry requested a trade. <laughs> we think he's probably just going to get cut because he's terrible. Like, realistically, why would Nikhil Harry ever request a trade? Like, who does he think he is, bro? He has, five, he has less than 500 yards in two years. He was the 31st pick in the draft, right? Or was it the 32nd? I don't even know. He was a first-round pick. I think it was the 32nd, actually. So he was the last pick of the first round. He's a first-round pick. And he's requesting a trade with under 500 yards in two years. And he hasn't shown anything to me. He is showed up for camp, though, as of right now, in the midst of this contract request along with Stefan Gilmore, even though he doesn't have a new deal, but we'll get into that later. But, I mean, hey, with the receivers keeping the kill out of here, you got Aguilar, you got Bourne, you got Myers. Am I missing someone? I think I'm definitely missing someone. I think I'm definitely missing someone. Who? There's another receiver. You got Harry there. I, I think that's it. I think that's definitely probably it. But then you go to the defensive side of the ball, and this is where you're going to win your games. I mean, this is definitely where the defense is. The defense is going to shine. So you got on the defensive line, you got Lawrence Guy. I think he, you have Dietrich Wise, you know, Chase Winovich, who I think actually like has a chance to get cut. Dark horse candidate to get cut, Chase Winovich, to not make the roster. Don't quote me on that, but I think it is definitely more than possible. I'm just going to look up the Patriots depth chart right now because I just want to be sure I'm not missing a wide receiver. Excuse me. All right. So yeah, a wide receiver, you got Myers, Aguilar, Miles, Aguilar, Olszewski, Ross, Wilkerson. I mean, they don't have, oh, it's up here. Whoops. You got Harry Bourne. This is what the depth chart actually looks like right all right, so the Patriots roster is unofficial composed of Patriots.com writers, which I think are personally morons, but that's just my way of looking at it. I don't know why it's written like this. <laughs> so bad. So the, they have, I just want to go over the quarterback position first. Uh, they have my, oh, sorry, I mean that wrong. Newton, Stidham, Hoyer, Mac Jones at fourth. Like, I think Stidham's getting cut anyway. I guess they're just writing it as it goes, but at wide receiver, I got Nikhil Harry, then Kendrick Bourne on the right, then they got, or sorry, on the left, rather, then they got Wynn at left tackle, Heron at left guard, Andrews at center, right guard, Mason, right tackle, Onwenu, obviously, I think is going to slide into that left guard position, maybe right guard, they'll switch him and Mason, and then either Wynn or Trent Brown's going to go to the right tackle spot, probably Isaiah Wynn. And Ted and obviously got Henry and Smith. They just decided to put Matt Lacoste at third. Yep, Matt Lacoste is definitely going to make, make the team over Asiasi or Keen. Yeah, that's just not going to happen. And then the other wide receiver, they got Myers and Aguilar with Olszewski running up the third slot. So that's pretty good. It's pretty good offense. And they got Cam Newton at quarterback, obviously. And we talked about Cam Newton's struggles. And then you got Damian Harris, Michelle White. And, you know, J.J. Taylor's not going to make the team. But, hmm. Then on defense, you got Winovich. They just signed Henry Anderson. They got Brian Coward still. They signed Devon Godshow. They got Montrevious Adams. They got Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Wise, Christian Barmore they just drafted. Judon's going to play down on the line. That's just that's an insane defensive line in my opinion. You know, they don't have the superstar ability, you know, whether Rams or 
But these guys are super, super solid. And they're going to have an insane pass rush because they got, for these linebackers, Dante Hightower, Kyle Vandal, we've seen what they can do rushing the passer. And they got Uche, great pass rusher. Juwan Bentley, you know, Mike, do, you, do I think he makes the roster? Yeah, probably. Terrence Hall was great last year. They got Anthony Jennings as well. They signed Raquan McMillan. And they drafted Cameron McGrone, who's going to go on IR, not going to play. That's just what Belichick does. And then at right cornerback, they got Gilmore. You know, he's back. He's back at camp. They better resign him. Or, you know, trade him for Devontae Adams. Honestly, <laughs> just trade him to the Packers for Devontae Adams. Like, just straight up. Trade him in a first-round pick and Akil Harry for Devontae Adams. I saw that as a mock trade. And I said, that's never going to happen. If that happens, I will become a... Jets fan. I'll become a Jets fan if that trade ever happened. So at corner, you got Gilmore, Jackson, and then in the slot, you got Jonathan Jones, of course. You got Jalen Mills, who I think is going to play safety. Then you got also Joe Juan Williams, D Virgin, who's a special teamer. Then they got MJ, Michael Jackson, back from the dead. Michael Jackson Sr., actually, which is kind of confusing. It's not the same Michael Jackson, obviously. And then you got Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar, Devin McCourty, Jalen Mills, and safety, which they do have them listed there. And then you got Justin Bethel, Adrian Colbert, who I think might make the team, both of them as special teamers. At least Bethel will. Cody Davis might as well. And you got Josh Bledsoe, who just drafted. I think he was a sixth-round pick, maybe fifth. He might make the team. We'll see. I mean, there's a lot of predictions for this roster. And then they cut Aguayo, so they got this Quinn Norton and Nick Folk trying out for kicker. And then, of course, a punter and kickoff specialist. You got Jake Bailey. Then you got Gunner returning the punts. It's just Taylor's the backup kick returner, and so is Zuber, but they're probably both going to get cut. And then, of course, Joe, the Goat Cardona long snapper. So let's get into my reg- my uh, roster predictions. Roster predictions for the New England Patriots. The Dolphins. Week one against the Dolphins at home. I didn't really write down these whether these were home or away, which is confusing, but... Week one at home versus the Dolphins. I'm giving the Patriots a win. I think this one's kind of, you know, I don't see the Dolphins winning this game. Yes, the Dolphins get better, but so do the Patriots. Does Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle, you know, a rookie Jalen Waddle, are they seriously going to make you, are they going to destroy you? No. I think if you say Jalen Waddle's fast, he is fast. He's one of the fastest players. He's probably already the second fastest player in the NFL. That's close. It's definitely close. I don't think that's true, but he's definitely already one of the fastest. But you know who's also one of the fastest players in the NFL? Jonathan Jones. Hmm, let me just think back. 2018 AFC Championship versus the Chiefs going up against Tyreek Hill. Huh. Who was manned up on Tyreek Hill? Jonathan Jones. Also had a safety over the top with Devin McCourty, but you know, they know how to they know how to guard fast guys. Jonathan Jones has burners. So I think at home they're gonna easily take this game. They did week one. See how they easily took week one against the Dolphins last year. You know, it wasn't easily, but you know, it wasn't too close. It wasn't that really that close of a game, if you think about it. They won against the Dolphins, and then they lost later in the season on the road. For some reason, they can't win in Miami. I don't know what it is. I I really wish I knew what it was, but I don't. Then we got week two against the Jets. Home or away, this game is an easy win. You're not losing to the Jets. You got better. You beat the Jets last year. You were a bad team last year. The Patriots were a bad team. The fact that they won seven games is honestly shocking to me. With Cam Newton at quarterback, they were still able to win. Both games against the Jets. That's how bad the Jets are. Oh, but the Jets signed Corey Davis. Oh, but the Jets signed, I don't know. They re-signed Marcus May. They signed him. I don't care who the Jets signed. They suck. The Jets suck. They drafted Zach Wilson. 
I don't really care. I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be that good. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. Rookie quarterback against Belichick. I mean, you're fucked. I mean, you're not beating Bill Belichick with a rookie quarterback. Go ask Justin Herbert. Go ask all those prior guys. You're not doing it. Let me get to week three against the Saints. This one's definitely close. If You know, I made this and I forgot to realize that Michael Thomas actually might not play this game. If Michael Thomas doesn't play this game, I think the Patriots win it. If he does, actually, I still think the Patriots win this game. Now, I want to go back and change my record prediction, but I just think the Saints are going to win this game. Do we have enough to keep up with Kamara? I don't think we have enough speed to keep up with Alvin Kamara. So I think the Saints take this one. It's going to be definitely a close game. It could go either way. I definitely think it could go either way, but it's hard. I mean, it's a home game. It's definitely a home game. So I think the Patriots could easily take this one. I'm going to go with a loss, though. And that's why my ceiling is a 13-4, and because that game could go either way. And so could uh, some of these other games we're going to get into here. But that game, for now, I'm going to say for a loss. Week 4 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As much as I would love to go out here and say that the Patriots are going to win this game, they're not going to win it. They're just not going to win it. They don't have enough to keep up with this team. You know, Mike Evans, sure, he'll get taken out of the game by Stephon Gilmore. That's cool. Chris Godwin's probably going to feast on J.C. Jackson. You know, if the if they are able, if the Patriots defense is that good, like that good, and you can, if J.C. Jackson takes that step up and he can shut down Chris Godwin and Gilmore can shut down Mike Evans, I think the Patriots can win this game if you have a little bit of pass rush because the pass rush definitely got better. If they can do that, yeah, sure, they can beat Tampa, but look at what all has to come together for them to beat the Buccaneers. Brady going back to Foxborough. You know, for some reason, these moron fans think we should give Tom Brady, be like, woo, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, when he's coming back. No, bro, he snaked us. We got to whoop his ass, knock him on his ass, you know, take him out. I mean, he won't even say the word Patriots. It's not on his vocabulary anymore because, honestly, Brady's kind of a pussy. I know you knew he was leaving. In the middle of the season, he sold his house. He left best buddies. You know he was leaving. He was a snake. And if you think Brady didn't snake the Patriots, and you think the Patriots snake Brady by trying to trade him to the 49ers, no, you're you're just an idiot. Because Brady won another Super Bowl after. And Brady knew he was leaving. And it didn't even matter. You know, Brady just didn't want to work hard anymore. He wanted everything he wanted. And Belichick was like, no, this is my team. And Brady said, all right, well, fuck you. I'm out of here unless you give me 25 mil. Belichick said no. Belichick said no. And that's really what happened. Kraft override the trade against San Fran. And, you know, we didn't have enough money to offer Brady anything. And he knew that. So he knew he was leaving. But anyway, shall I move on? <laughs> Week five at Houston, easy win, easy win. I say this is at least a, I want to say a 14-point win. I want to say a 14-point win. This is a double-digit win anyway, but I think this is an easy, easy win. I don't see how you lose to a team without Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson is not playing for the Texans this year. He is not. There's no way he plays for the Texans. I just don't see it. Let me get to week six. Home against the Cowboys. This is a W for me. This is a W for me. We're going to go on a streak here for the Patriots. They're going to win a bunch of games. I think they win this one. I don't... It's a 425 game. This was the game that was added. Now, everyone likes to go out there and say the Cowboys are so good. Let me just let me just take you a little flashback. It's 2019. Tom Brady's last season. The Patriots score, what? Th- I think it was 13 points against them in the rain. I mean, Amari Cooper got a, got adopted that day. His father was Stephon Gilmore. I don't think he allowed a single catch on him. 
So I don't think Stefan's going to lock him up like that. But if you can stop Zeke, the Cowboys aren't beating you. I mean, you're going to make Dak work. And I think you know, Dak's a little overrated by some people. I don't personally think he's a top five quarterback. I think he's probably in that seven range. But hey, I, I like Dak. I don't mind. I like Dak. He's coming back off that injury. I think Belichick is going to figure this one out and win this one at home, especially. For me, this is an easy victory. Actually, I won't say easy. I think, I mean, we beat the Cardinals last year, which is kind of a similar kind of, like, I think it's going to be a similar game to that game. We went on the last second field goal. Defense is going to get it done with your, you know, best cornerback locking up their best receiver. You know, Gilmore locked up Hopkins. So I think that's definitely going to be a similar game. Then you go to week seven at home versus the Jets. Need I say more? Win. Let's move on. Then you face the Chargers week eight in L.A. again. Justin Herbert is still seeing ghosts for that game. Rumor has it. I'm going to take this one as a win for the Patriots. Everyone seems to think the Chargers are going to have some bounce back here. I guess Vegas does because they have higher odds. The Chargers have higher odds than the Cardinals to win the Super Bowl. I don't know why, how that even happens. But the Chargers, I don't think they can beat the Patriots. with with. I mean, yeah, you got Joey Bosa. Is their defense that much better just with Derwin, Derwin James coming back? I don't really know what the Chargers did in the offseason. I, I just can't think of a notable signing. You know, I wasn't – I just can't think of it off the top of my head. I don't know who their first-round pick was. I think it was a lineman. Yeah, I think it was – was it – was it uh, – uh, I think it was the – it was – I don't know his name off the top of my head. I'm not looking it up. Uh, but – oh, my. This is going to anger me that I can't think of this. <laughs> but they got a tackle. They got a little more protection. But we won 45 to 0 last year. 45 to 0. Patriots easy. And a landslide. I'm taking the Patriots to win this game marginally, I would say at least by a touchdown. Wouldn't say, you know, it could hey, they could win as much as 45 to 0 again. Or they could lose the game, obviously, or they could win by three points. I think the Patriots win this game against the Chargers only because. You know what they did last year, that's really selling me on it. And I can't really think of what the Chargers did besides draft an offensive lineman, like an offensive tackle. And, you know, I don't think Justin Herbert's ready to face this defense. I mean, I'm going to say it again. I just keep saying it, but this defense is insane. It's stacked. I, there's not one weakness on this defense that I'm seeing. And that brings us to week nine in Carolina. I actually might go to this game, take a little road trip to Raleigh, North Carolina. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm pretty sure that's where they play. Uh, November 7th, I'm going to get the Patriots a W here in a close, close, close game. I mean, who's their quarterback? Is Sam Darnold's their starting quarterback, right? That's it. That's all that's selling me on this one. If Sam Darnold's the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers in week nine, they're not beating the Patriots. They're just not doing it. It's never going to happen. It is not going to happen. Sam Darnold beating the Patriots is just something that is is, is impossible. It's, it's physically impossible. Yeah, they might have McCaffrey... And their defense actually did get better. I mean, I love what the Panthers did in the draft. and but I just don't see them beating the Patriots here. I think it's going to be a, I, I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. You know, probably like a 17, 13, 17, 14, you know, maybe 20 to 14 kind of game. I don't think any team's going to touch like 28 or anything. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. But if the Patriots do lose this game, they're getting blown out. It's either a close win or a blowout. But I just don't see them losing this game. And it, I say blowout, but it's hard for me to picture Sam Darnold. But I just think the Panthers have such a high 
powered offense, then I just don't think they could lose like that. So I'm taking the Panthers. I'm, I'm taking the Patriots to beat the Panthers in this game. Let me get into week 10. This is one of those games where it goes any way for me. It can go either way for me. And I just couldn't come up with a choice besides that I don't think the Patriots are winning are winning this game to win. What is it? Their sixth game in a row. I'm taking the Browns to beat the Patriots in week 10. I'm taking the Browns to win this game. Uh, the Browns yeah, were really close to the AFC Championship last year. Really, really damn close to send the Bills to the Super Bowl because I don't think they would have beat the Bills. The Browns are a damn good team. And I don't like the Cleveland Browns. And what the Patriots did against the Browns in 2019, bring up another 2019 example, is they won that game. And I can't really remember how it went. Off the top of my head, all I can remember is that uh, Jonathan Jones, you know, like stripped. Uh, what's his name? Nick Chubb from behind. But now you got the Patriot, the Patriots killer, and Kareem Hunt. Patriots won this game 13 to 27. Let's look at the box score here. Uh, now they have the Patriot killer, Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb, 20 carries, 131 yards, 6.5 yards per carry, no touchdowns. But Baker went 20 for 31 with 194 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Uh, so the Patriots were able to shut down the pass game, give them the run game, and then offensively, uh, Michelle ran for 74. So not a really good running game, actually. It's more of a defensive game, but Edelman had 8 for 78 with two touchdowns. White, four receptions for 75 yards. Edelman had the two touchdowns. Lawrence Guy had an interception. What did they score? They must have scored a defensive touchdown in this game. There's no way. Mike Nugent was the kicker. He kicked two field goals. So, yeah, they must have scored a defensive touchdown because I don't see a rushing touchdown on here. So, Lawrence Guy scored a defensive touchdown. Okay. Well, I guess that's how it goes. It's going to be a defensive game. And I think that's the Patriots game plan. That's why I think this could go any way. If the Patriots go into this game at home against the Cleveland Browns, looking for their seventh win in a row, or, yeah, no, their sixth, which would give them their seventh because they're playing the Falcons next week. But if the Patriots at home are playing the Cleveland Browns and they can shut down that pass game, get after Baker Mayfield, and let that run game do what it wants, I think they're going to win this game. You're not going to have a running back if you shut down a passing game and you can stay in front, like if you can keep the lead, if you can hold the lead and let them, they're not going to be able to run the ball from behind. I mean, if you get ahead, they're not going to run the hand the ball off every time. They're going to they're going to try to throw them back into the game, and I don't think Baker can do that. I am a Baker Mayfield hater. I stand by that, but I don't think he's as bad, you know, as some people think. I don't think he's as good as some people think. I think I'm right in the middle ground, like a 15 to 15th best quarterback in the NFL. Which is probably where some people see him. I just don't think he'll win anything. But I think if you can force Baker, if you can put the game in Baker's hands and you can take out those receivers, if you can lock those receivers, which you should be able to with how good the secondary is, I think you could easily win that game. So, but I'm giving them the loss right here for the sole fact that they, I don't think that six wins in a row for this team is definitely rare. So we'll see, but they might lose to the Cowboys. I don't know. Yeah, Week Eleven versus the Falcons. 
victory. I mean, <laughs> it's the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's the Atlanta Falcons. They stink. I mean, they're not good. This game is in Atlanta. I've actually been to that stadium. It's really nice. But the Patriots, I don't think they're going to lose to Atlanta. They got Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's probably going to absolutely just toast J.C. Jackson because he's going to guard him because Stephon Gilmore is just simply not that fast. Or Russell Gage. This is probably going to be a zone game, if I'm thinking about it, because the Falcons are a little too fast. This might actually be a loss, but I'm giving the Falcons are pretty bad, so I'm going to give the Patriots a victory here. The only reason I say it's a possible loss is because the Falcons lose games and they score 100 points. They have no defense, which gives me faith in the Patriots here, but they have an insane offense. Now, they don't have Julio Jones anymore. I still think that uh, they are capable, though, of winning this game. But I'm going to give the Patriots the win here. They're going to go with back-to-back losses here. Week 12 against the Titans. That offense is too good. Patriots don't play well versus the Titans. They have no answer for Derrick Henry. Front seven is much better. But with Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, I mean, Stephon Gilmore might just get exposed in this game. I, I, I hate to say it. Stephon Gilmore might get exposed versus Julio Jones. If you can shut down Henry, maybe you win this game, but it's just I don't see them beating the Titans. But week 13 versus the Bills, I'm gonna also give them a loss here going into the bye week. Yeah, the Bills dominated us last year. And that's not a good thing. You know, you never want to get dominated by a team. And they 2 0 us. First game was close, actually. But I'm gonna give them a loss here. I just don't think the Patriots in the first matchup are gonna be able to match with the Bills. They're gonna have to learn from what they saw last year. I do think the Bills' offense is going to take a step back. It always happens, you know, when a first, second, I think it's Allen's third year, actually. But when a young quarterback goes into an offense and just dominates the entire league, eventually you find an answer, unless his name is Patrick Mahomes, because that dude's a freak. You don't find an answer, maybe, but I don't think Allen's an all-time great quarterback, and I don't think he will be. I mean, maybe you think that. People think Allen seems to be this amazing quarterback. Yeah, he's top five, but... You look at the great quarterbacks. Those are great quarterbacks that can't be stopped, like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. I don't think Josh Allen's that kind of quarterback. He's got a rocket arm. He can move. But Bill knows. Bill Belichick knows. He knows more than anyone how to stop a young quarterback. I think they, they're going to lose this game. I, I just think this is where he's going to learn what he needs to make adjustments for for the matchup coming out of the bye. So I think week 14, the Patriots hop in that bye week. Week 15... They come out of the bye week, you know, after a week off, getting some preparations for these last four games of the season. I think they beat the Colts, but I saw McMillan, who you signed. That's why I have Brandon King, who's going to be a special teamer. The secondary is where this team is unmatched. There's no better secondary in the league. There's just not. Gilmore, Jackson, Jonathan Jones, then you got Jalen Mills, you got Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar. I mean, I don't know how this team's beatable. I mean, well, I know how it's beatable because Cam Newton. And then offensively, yeah, it's a little worse because you got Harry, who might not even be on the team, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar. That said it, you know what? I think the Colts might be division winners. You know, the Titans are damn good. That's a pretty decent receiving core for what Myers was able to do last year and what they were able to do with, like, Demir Bird. I think that's a huge upgrade. 
And then you got Cam Newton, a quarterback who I already said, I am a Cam Newton believer with everything that went wrong for him, possibly going wrong last season. He cannot be worse. He can't be worse. And maybe he is, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm stating right on the record. I'm stating on the record right now. I'm a Cam Newton believer. And I, I'm not changing my mind on that. I will not change my mind on that. Maybe Mac Jones comes in. Maybe not. Running back, you have the breakout candidate who was great last year. Showed what he can do. I think he might go for 1,000 yards this season. Be a top 10 running back. Damian Harris, University of Alabama alum. Nick Saban used him well. And Bill Belichick's going to do the same again this year. Sonny Michelle at the backup running back and your receiving back. Doesn't get much better for a third down back. James White. And then, oh, that offensive line. Oh, I almost forgot the tight ends too. Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Imagine this. A two tight end set. Two tight end set with Aguilar and Bourne, maybe Myers. I mean, that's that's pretty sick. That's that's pretty sickening. That's really good. You know, they used to have that killer combo, you know, with, with Gronk and Hernandez. But this team, whoo. I am excited for Patriots football, but man, this offensive line with Wynn, Brown, Andrews, Mason on Wenyu, it's going to be phenomenal. I'm looking forward to it, but that is going to be it for today. Thank you for listening. Catch you later. <laughs> Carson Wentz is the quarterback. That's why the Patriots are going to win this game, because Carson Wentz is the Colts quarterback. Bill Belichick knows what to do about that. Hey, all these games are on the Bill Belichick and the defense. I'm not talking about the offense here. If the offense completely sucks and Cam loses it, they win seven games. Again, this goes seven and and, um, ten. I just don't see that happening. So because Carson Wentz is the quarterback, I think that we're going to come out on top victorious. Colts defense was pretty good last year, but they did just lose Malik Hooker. I think he was out for the year anyway. Uh, I'm giving the Patriots a victory here, though, over the Colts. And then we go to week 16 versus the Bills. I'm giving the Patriots a victory. Yep. Okay. Call me out. Here come all the haters in my comments saying the Patriots can't beat the Bills. Patriots can't beat the Bills. Shut up. The Patriots literally had the Bills. They would have won the game if Cam does not fumble. They win the game. They do not lose that game if Cam Newton doesn't fumble the ball. Let me go back to the year before. This was where the Patriots clinched the playoffs against the Bills, or they were like looking to keep the one seed. They played the Bills. They won. Like the Bills were going to mount that last second drive, and then JC Jackson got like the interception he dropped or whatever on fourth down. Those two games are what I think this game's going to be. The week before, I think the Bills win comfortably. I personally do. But this game, and the Patriots, you know, slug it out. They go, they keep it close. They keep it close because that's what they did. You know, when it was the end of the season when they lost that game to the Bills like by 40 points, that was the end of the season. You know, they already missed the playoffs. I mean, I guess the morale was down. They didn't have Gilmore. You know, I guess it was just like, all right, whatever. But this time, they're going to be in playoff hunt. They're going to take this game as serious as – this is the most serious game they're going to take all year. Bill Belichick is a man on a mission. They're going to come out on top in this game in a close game. I'm going to give it another 24-21 kind of game. I think it's either going to, I think it's going to be a 27-24, 24-21, 3.6 point win. The team who gets the ball last is going to win the game. And then the Jags week 17 blowout victory. We actually seem to not be able to beat the Jaguars, but this one's actually at home and it's in January. I'm taking them in the victory right here. Rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence will be throwing the ball unless he gets injured. If Trevor Lawrence throws 10 picks every single game, you know, he has 160 interceptions. 
so be it. He'll still be starting this game. So rookie quarterback, that just seems like the easiest option here. Uh, that would be the Jaguars. And then go to week 18 versus the Dolphins in Miami. I'm going to give them a loss. It's January. They go down to Miami. Not used to the weather. Seems like what always happens with this team. But they can't beat Miami in the last game of the season or late in the season. Just doesn't happen with this team. Doesn't happen. So I'm going to take Miami in this one probably comfortably. Probably like a, you know, the Patriots get into the fourth quarter. It's 10 points. They turn the ball over. You know the game's over. Like one of those classic situations. You know, your team, you're like, all right, we can still beat this team. Let's just get a, a field goal here. You know, there's like 10 minutes left maybe. Your quarterback throws an interception. You know, you lost the game. So there's that. Uh, so those are my record predictions. That's going to come out to a total of 11 and 6. Now I'm going to go over the ceiling was 13 and 4. So where do I think the Patriots could win two games? I think they could beat the Browns and I think they could beat the Saints. That's the 13 and 4. Where do I think those other three losses are going to come from? Uh, I think they lose to the Bills maybe again. Uh, I think they lose to the Colts maybe. So there's two. And then, yeah, maybe they lose to the Cowboys. So. That's where I see the floor at eight and nine, ceiling at thirteen and four. My prediction is eleven and six, but twelve and five is definitely an option. People seem to think the Patriots are a terrible team, but I'm gonna give you a little insight on the Patriots. What team with this defense? Like, look at the defense. Just look at it. It's amazing. This defense is phenomenal. You know, I already went over the depth chart, but I just want to review this with with you one more time. I'm gonna start on this defensive. Up front, you have Chase Winovich. You know, they got Henry Anderson who they signed, but they got Brian Cowart, Devon Godshow, Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Wise. These are defense. These are interior linemen. Christian Barmore they just drafted. And then outside they have Matthew Judon who's going to play some stand-up as well, who is going to thrive in this system. If you don't think Matthew Judon is going to star in this system, I don't know what you're thinking, man, but uh, I'm 100% thinking that. Linebacker. You got Hightower back, the captain of that defense. You got Van Noy back, who knows the system perfectly well. Uche started to show what he could do last year. I mean, he's a great young player. Jawan Bentley, I mean, just a fill linebacker. He might not make the team. Terrell Hall was great last year. He might get cut. I don't know. I really hope he does make the team. I like him a lot. You got Anthony Jennings, another rookie last year. You got Ronnie Perkins, who's for some reason lifted as a linebacker, who's going to be a down lineman. Probably an outside lineman and then you got Raekwon